0: I'm and you're listening to the Quantum Leap Podcast.
1: Theorizing that one could time travel within his own lifetime, Dr. Sam Beckett stepped into the Quantum Leap Accelerator and vanished. He awoke to find himself trapped in the past, facing mirror images that were not his own, and driven by an unknown force to change history for the better.
0: You are listening to The Quantum Leap Podcast. This is episode 101, Too Close for Comfort, by Ashley McConnell. Welcome to The Quantum Leap Podcast. I'm Christopher DeFilippis. I'm
2: Allison Pregler.
0: And I'm Matt Dale. And today we reconvene The Quantum Leap Podcast Book Club, and we will be <sighs> talking about Too Close, Too Comfortable.
3: Matt, was that <laughs> your joke? Yeah, yeah, with, with second novel two twos. In, well, there should be two twos in the title. They missed a trick there. So, so disappointing, Ashley.
0: It was um, originally titled Too Close for Comfort, but Allison and Matt have been giving it like Fast and Furious type uh, sequel names <laughs> in the threads. <laughs> <laughs> I think we had uh, the number two, close, and then Comfort spelled with a four where the with F the should four. be. <laughs>
2: yeah. I like Too Close, to Comfort because it's the Too Fast, Too Furious kind of thing you
0: know i thought it was too close too comfortable
2: Too <laughs> <laughs> too close, too comfortable.
3: do we think calling the next one three wall is too much of a stretch because that's the best i can do <laughs> we'll figure it out i like too close too comfort but the the two in the middle is like they're both t-o-o oh i was thinking the number two for both but yes 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 yes
0: so i still like comfortable so too close yeah.
3: too comfortable too close, too comfortable. And it is all about family. I got family.
0: So I mean that is apropos.
3: Absolutely.
0: Yeah, so this is the second novel outing by author Ashley McConnell. Initial impressions. Guys, I feel like Ashley's stepping up her game here. Um I'll start with you, Allison.
2: Well <laughs> it's such a good intro for uh for it. But um it's uh, it's not my favorite it's not um it's not one that i dislike that much either it's just uh i've read all of the quantum leap books and uh one thing that's kind of recurring through it a lot of people want to involve al with the leaps in some way so there's quite a few that do that and i feel this is like one of the lesser ones (laughs) um i'm not really that into the the leap portion of it to be honest but there's lots of interesting things in it and i think ashley wrote it well like usual how about you, Matt?
3: Yeah, I, Ashley is is a good writer, and yeah, it, it is very well written, but yeah, I've got to agree with Alison. I mean, that the length of these novels is sort of, if they filmed them, it would be the equivalent of maybe a two-parter, and this feels like a standard-length episode that's been stretched out a bit to fill novel length, with Al thrown in for no reason. <laughs> it's... it's it, the the gimmick of young Al, you could take him out, and the the book would lose twenty or thirty pages. But beyond that, I don't think we'd be noticed.
2: It it touches on some stuff that I think other novels do better, as far as Al and his timeline in the present being affected, or the possibility of it. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, you know what? I was remiss. Let me read the blurb, and then I'll give you guys my initial impressions. Leaper beware. The future you alter may be your own. When Dr. Sam Beckett leaps into the middle of a men's encounter group circa 1990, he meets Al? Not the holographic (laughs) Al from the near future, but a younger soul-searching Al, beating his naked chest in a mock tribal quest for his primitive nature. It all seems pretty funny to Sam, except for the fact that his mission could make or break the Quantum Leap Project for all all-time quantum leap too close (laughs) too comfortable all new adventure first (laughs) time in
2: print that's uh, that description's a lie it's a (laughs) lie it makes it seem like that's the premise of this book and it's not exactly i would have loved if that was what the whole book was about but it's not
0: (laughs) as for me as a guy who loves all the geeky lore stuff that was the part of the book that sort of left me cold i really enjoyed the main leap Plot. Oh, it it's words. good. I felt like I was watching an episode. Like this was something that would have fit solidly into the middle of season three, I think. And um, it would have been, I think, an episode that people maybe it wouldn't have been a favorite, but I think people would remark on it as you know a pretty good one or an okay one at least. That's how I see it. But uh, why don't we set the stage a little bit? Um. That men's encounter group uh, is run by a character named Dr. Stephen Wales, who I call Angry Dad, Bad Dad. <laughs> <laughs> the other cast includes um, his wife, Jennifer, who is the most uptight of suburban housewives you've ever met. <laughs> his daughter, Lisa, who is uh, the troubled teen. Her um, bum of a boyfriend named Steno.
2: I, I, is that Russian? I was more thrown by Jennifer with a V. Than Steno. That seemed unnecessary. Steno just felt like a a greaser name, you know? Like, I I just imagined him like a greaser. Hey, it's Steno, yo!
3: (laughs) I I thought Alison was doing an impression of young Chris then.
2: (laughs) Hey, yo! Forget about it.
3: (laughs) And,
0: of course, we have the leapy Ross Malachi, uh, who is a college teen who lives with the whales. He lives above the garage like Fonzie. So that's cool. But instead of taking place in uh, the 1950s and 60s, this one takes place June 22nd, 1990 in Albuquerque, New Mexico, a mere, what, 100 miles, 200 miles from Project Quantum Leap at a time when Quantum Leap is actually being developed and being tunneled into the bottom of uh, the cavern. Sam's Magic Blue Mountain is under construction.
2: Is this the first leap into the 90s outside of Sam leaping back? Am I forgetting something?
0: I don't think you're wrong with that. I think that the latest they went was, except for the leap back, was what sometime in the eighties, right, man?
3: Yeah, let me just you you know I should have predicted that coming up because that is um it's a very valid question. Where's my list? Where's my list?
2: Because I think when they were filming the show, it just would have felt like too close, too comfortable, too comfortable. Uh, <laughs> to when they were actually filming, but um. That's something that's great about the books, too. You can go a little bit further and have that perspective of like, yeah, this is kind of what was going on around that time.
3: In terms of TV, uh, Evil Leaper 3 is the the latest one. So um, Bold Leap Forward went to 1992, but that was never produced. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't I, think we're counting Bold Leap <laughs> Flo- Forward in that. I'm just, we should always count Bold Leap Forward. Um, Angels Unaware <laughs> was 95 there was going to be a, uh, again, going unpublished, um, a Sliders crossover that would have been 95 as well. Oh, man, they made a cover
2: for that and everything. A Leap to Die okay, For wait, 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 was whoa, 97. Whoa,
3: whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa, whoa. Hold, hold on. Hold on. Uh, Mirror's Edge, 99. Uh, did
2: Chris, did you not know about the Sliders crossover
3: comic they were going to do? Mind blown. What? What? You just haven't read my book, have you?
2: <laughs> yeah. Oh, now Chris hasn't read his book. I don't have your book,
3: Matt. I wrote the forward, but I I still don't have a copy of it. <laughs> that's all right. I, I mean, I read the first two pages of foreknowledge and just guessed the rest of it. I figured it was all just a, a Back to the Future ripoff. Yeah. Pretty I, much. Just, yeah. yeah.
0: I mean, that's anything I write is basically Back to the Future.
3: Yeah. So, yeah, my, most of my 1990s leaps, um, are because I consider the uh, in-character advertisements to be canon, so like when when he leaps into the into a weather girl for like 10 seconds that I consider to be 90s leaps.
2: <laughs> You're talking about the commercials. <laughs> like, yeah, the commercials into are canon. random people like he's on night court you count that as a leap? <laughs> yes.
3: Do you not?
2: Remember when they crossed over with night court for 2 seconds in a commercial?
3: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and um, yeah, Midnight Caller didn't he? Did he cross over with Midnight Caller? Anyway, um, wow. Yeah. Aside from that, if you're being normal, which I admit I'm not, then yes, this is this is one of the latest, one of the last leaps chronologically.
2: So it is the first in the '90s, as far as the yes. show or the books are concerned. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Angels Unaware and Mirror's Edge are the only other times that the the books go into the 90s. But but by the end of this podcast, I will have convinced you that the leap into Night Court is totally canon.
2: (laughs) I hope the one where he leaps into Santa Claus is also canon. (laughs) Have you not read my book either? Yes! (laughs) You know what? I did read the book, and I, I this is coming back to me. I remember reading stuff like this, like, do, do we need to ask if this is canon or not?
0: Yeah, you know, the the funny thing is I interviewed <laughs> Matt when the book first came out, and we recently rediscovered that interview because it had been off the feed for a while, but I found a copy of it and I rebuilt it. And um, speaking to Matt back then, he considers Everything canon there's no such thing as not canon. if somebody mentions quantum leap in a sentence, it suddenly becomes canon. This podcast is now canon in the quantum leap universe <laughs> Pretty much. My-
3: <laughs> in my defense i uh, I've got no defense for this, but um I, I was inspired, and I think I probably mentioned this in the interview, I was inspired by a Back to the Future chronology uh, by Rich Handley and someone else, I think he had a co-writer, but they they did the same thing. They took like promotional materials, like um, the, the sides of uh, plastic cups that were given away in Burger King. They considered it all to be canon, and they did such a good job of it. I was like, I want to do the same thing with Quantum Leap, but there was obviously less stuff to do. But yeah, they managed to get a massive chronology of Back to the Future by including the dumbest stuff. And they, they, <laughs> it, it was totally plausible. So, yes. That's great. No,
2: I love that you included stuff like that. I love it.
3: It's, I mean, I, I know it's silly. I If you, you know, corner me on this, I'm not going to try claiming anything other than the 95 episodes, the comics and the novels are canon, but why the hell not?
0: Why not? Well, you guys now have to just somebody's got to enlighten me about sliders. Like what, what would they have slid into the quantum leap universe? Would Sam have leapt into Quinn? Like how would that have worked? I'm so intrigued. It, it
2: was a it was a comic they were going to make and they yeah. they had a cover for it because there was an advertisement for it, I think. Was that where it came from, Matt? I don't think was there a cover? i I know I've seen a, a picture of the cover unless it was some fan
3: thing but it looked like it I thought it was in your book there was a picture of it oh if it was mine that was fake i I know I, I did a, a mock-up cover for that and those, oh maybe that's um, what I was thinking of. and those other spin-off uh comics that never happened I did I did mock-up covers for all of them oh I see well
2: that's cool yeah they but that was something they were going to do but did it fall through because the comics uh because the, the line stopped. I, th-
3: I, I think it just fell through because it was ridiculous. So what was their... Um...
2: <laughs> I think it would have been great. I think sliders and Quantum Leap uh, could go hand in hand very well. That's an easy
3: crossover to do. There was Quantum Slide, which was picked pitched... Or... Are we going to talk about the novel at any point? Never mind. Yeah. There was Quantum Slide, <laughs> which was pitched in August 96. Um, and the synopsis is... Occurring immediately after the Ultimatum miniseries, the Sliders return home, and simultaneously Sam Beckett leaps into Quinn Mallory. The unusual nature of the leap leaves Quinn's memory intact, and he's able to work with Al to understand why Sam has leaped to the present day. Uh, Blah, 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 lots of other stuff. And then, also in August 96, there was another pitch, The Brothers Paradox. Um, Micro-singularity causes the alternative universe plenum plenum? Of sliders to intercept the unitary timeline world of Quantum Leap. Sam leaps at the same time the sliders slide. The result: Quinn, Rembrandt, Wade, and Professor Arturo find themselves on Earth Prime in 1967. Arturo works with a former girlfriend into whom Sam has leapt to save his brother from the faint hinted at in Narcotica. Blah 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 blah.
2: Eight, there's a nine, lot of yeah. sliders continuity in here. I'm like, <laughs> what? What are you I, talking about?
3: Sliders comic continuity. Where are the Cro-Mags? Come on.
2: Screw the cro I'm glad <laughs> the Chrome mags aren't mentioned. Stupid Cromags. mags took over the whole damn show. I kind of I really like the cro storyline. <laughs> the cro were good in the first appearance and that's it.
3: <laughs> this new pilot of Quantum Leap, my, my one dream now is that it, uh, it does spin off into a series and in that series they do a Sliders crossover episode, despite the fact Sliders hasn't been on the air for 30 years. That doesn't matter. Uh, they should just uh, bring everyone back for a crossover.
2: Uh, it'd be kind of hard because if you know if you know sliders, most of the characters are dead or
3: worse than dead by this point. That doesn't matter in alternative universe theory. Bring them all back. That's true. That's true.
0: Based on the synopsis you gave, I will be disappointed forever unless any sliders quantum leap crossover now has a scene where Scott Bakula is getting jiggy with John Race Davies. <laughs> He was leaping into his girlfriend, right? <laughs> so. I think
2: I feel like Sliders was inspired by Quantum Leap a little bit. They did have a character named Beckett, and I feel like that wasn't a coincidence. Um yeah, you know what?
0: When Sliders premiered, I was so hopped up on it because it was sort of quantum leapy. And I love, you know, just the sci-fi concept of alternate universes. And then I saw the premiere and I saw the first season and I was like, yeah, this ain't that good. <laughs>
2: Oh, well, uh, you saw the good season (laughs) I know You stopped at a good point, actually I
0: I stuck with it I watched, I think, almost all of Sliders Because I wanted it to be good
2: Oh, you were like, this isn't for me And then you watched years and years and years of it?
0: I remember some sci-fi channel uh, Sliders
3: I've done that with so many TV shows (laughs) like I hate this show but I'm I'm invested now I've seen the first three episodes I know there's another 12 seasons but you know
2: what it's easier for me to stop stuff now but right now I'm in the middle of Power Rangers so I get it (laughs) oh no (laughs)
3: Anyway, <laughs> so too anyway, close, too yeah.
2: comfortable. What <laughs> are we talking too about too close, too comfortable is a book, and <laughs> Al is yeah, a big okay. This whole plot of this of this book, I know that that you were into the leap portion more than the lore portion, Chris um, and Matt yes. and I seem to be in the opposite group here because, like, I don't know they did the leap in and it's supposed to be kind of funny that Sam's in the middle of this men's encounter group and they're all shirtless and beating their chests and all that. And, but it's not really like a, a comedy leap per se. Um I just couldn't get into any of this men's encounter group stuff. Like maybe I am not the target for this, but what it's just the whole, like, what does it mean to be men and like running around doing dances and stuff? Like I just, I could not get into it. And it was, it was hard for me to get behind Wales as a character
3: like he was he was a real jerk. That's a really good point that I hadn't thought about when I was reading it that this is quite a it's a serious leap. Mm. But it has those yeah those comic trappings of the uh, the men's encounter group and the beating of the chest. It's set up to be a funny leap and then it suddenly isn't, but the men's encounter group is still going on. That's kind of weird. It is, like, two tonally very different leaps going on at once.
2: Yeah, like, it's like the leap in was thought of, like, oh, this would be a funny thing to do, but then the follow-through doesn't really
3: have anything to do with that. I guess they did that in the episodes a few times. Yeah. it's true. Come back <laughs> next week for the hijinks! Oh, no, there's going <laughs> to be people big dying. Point, just kidding, it's a depressing <laughs> Vietnam story. <laughs> Psych. There is precedence,
0: so, yeah. And yes, I, I, I think that this... I hmm the men's encounter stuff is is pretty weak sauce but I think that that's just how they wanted to get some comic relief in and also have an excuse for Al to be there I I mean that that was sort of very tenuous at best but he's supposed to be in the men's encounter group because he's going through his is it his fifth divorce his fifth and final divorce with I guess um someone that Ashley named Rita Is Rita Ashley's invention, or was Rita the fifth wife in the series as well?
2: No, the fifth wife in canon is Maxine, because there's the whole thing he talked about how his fifth wife, Maxine, looked exactly like Diane Frost in The uh, Hunting We Will Go. I don't remember a Rita. I think the second wife was the only one that didn't have a name. So maybe this, and now this is... I like the
0: leap portion of this, and I'll tell you. So maybe we can separate the two because we seem to be doing it anyway. You're right. Let's save the Al stuff. Let's just talk about the main leap for a second.
2: Was, did he say Rita? Because I don't remember reading Rita. a part where he's
0: talking he about said, a Rita. He said Rita. I wrote it down specifically because it's like part of the lore.
3: Oh. Chris wrote it down, it must have happened.
0: <laughs> I mean, I did read the book last <laughs> night, so...
3: Yeah, I, mean, I, I usually write stuff down if it feels weird, but... yeah, uh, Since since Chris actually contributed to the canon, that means anything that he writes down is canon, by, <laughs> by my rules. <laughs> Chris wrote a shopping list this morning, which is canon. <laughs>
0: oh my goodness gracious.
2: <laughs> anyway... Um... Yeah. I could be completely wrong, um, and Chris probably remembers more than me, because he, he just read the book last night. I thought it was his third wife, Ruthie, was the, around that time, because this is pre-Project Quantum Leap. Do you have Doctor's handwriting, Chris? Is this no. possible that you wrote no, Ruthie? Oh my God, I, just, like I wrote the
0: word Rita, and now I'm getting persecuted. <laughs> Jesus. No, um, I
2: don't, I, I'm not saying you're wrong. I just didn't write it down I if think that's what know. it was. But I feel like in my head, and granted, a lot of things get mixed up. What was in the books? What was in some fanfic yeah. I read? What did I make up in my head? I don't know. <laughs> but I feel like around this time, he was not through All Five Wives before Project Quantum Leap had started. And there could be an in-universe
0: reason for that in this book because and and that's why I wanted to maybe separate the two. I think the reason why I liked the leap portion with the family and the family drama is because it was very grounded and it was very quantum leap. It's something that you would have seen on the show at some point. It's just basic family drama with the dad that can't reach the daughter and the daughter that hates the dad and, you know, sort of that that sort of that growth between a family and them coming together. That's quintessential quantum leap.
2: Yeah, I mean it it was about the family and I I think um Thematically, it works. I understand what what Ashley is doing there. Um, I guess it was just... I wasn't personally into reading about uh, an asshole dad Mm -hmm. (laughs) and the dying mom and the whole cancer subplot and all this stuff. And it's it's just very heavy stuff and themes I'm not particularly into reading for 300 pages. Mm
3: -hmm. Not that they were
2: badly done, just, I don't know, it was just kind of... Rough to get into.
3: It was tough in places.
2: It, it was,
0: and I think that um, you know I could just see I could see it playing out as an episode. So maybe that's another reason why I caught into it a bit more than I did the Al stuff. Because compared to the Al stuff, this was very grounded in Quantum Leap, the main story with the Whaleses. But then you get into the Al stuff, which is the stuff that I should love. It's like all the timey wimey stuff. It's like all the back at the project stuff and like the speculating on the nature of sam's leaping and how it could affect their present and all that and i found that to be confusing at best there are some ideas that ashley throws out in that storyline that just either don't work for me or that i just don't understand what she was getting at
2: Well, well let's get into that what are some of these things that didn't work for you there was, the, right,
0: right off at the bat, Sam is musing, uh, because he knows where he's at. He's saying, I could call the project right now. I could call myself if I remembered the number and say, don't get into the accelerator chamber. Mm-hmm.
1: And then he yeah. muses
0: about being in two places at once and th- something about your body someplace and your soul someplace else. And there's no place. And it, it's, that was confusing to me because. Sam leaping into the 90s or into a time when the project existed shouldn't make a difference because he's still living along his linear timeline, even though he's back. To put in Doc Brown terms, they're not thinking three-dimensionally. Just because Sam is there, he could be there 17 or 35 times. It doesn't make a difference. He's leaping into a different person each time, and he's still himself in the time that he leaps.
3: This is literally every single episode. Yeah, <laughs> uh, is, is like this. <laughs> Apart from the ones where he's not quite been born yet, but yeah, aside yeah.
0: from that, and I think there are two of those, right? But he would theoretically yeah. have been conceived in yeah. those two leaps. So,
3: so we're really only talking about the leap between the states as the only televised outlier. Every other time, he is around twice.
2: Yeah, there's there's over a hundred Bakulas by the end of the show. Yeah. <laughs> Just leaping around at different points in his
0: time. Yeah, and it shouldn't make a difference, though. They they made they seem to make a big deal about Sam leaping into a time after his first leap. And that's where some of the confusion came for me.
2: I mean, it is close to the first time, the closest he's been to the first time he's leaped physically and uh, chronologically. So maybe that's why it was on his mind.
3: It is. But at one point in this book, uh, it refers to the first leap as happening in 1999, which, I mean, we know that's wrong. But as far as Ashley was concerned, when she was writing this, he was still nine years away from actually leaping.
2: Yeah, I guess it's it's just because 1990, this is the first time he's leaped into yeah, the 90s. Nineties. Nineties. Yes, I, I, I don't know. I think there were a lot of things that Ashley kind of included as some, some flavor text, you know, like kind of speculate about some things. How does this work? What could he do? It crosses his mind, but it's not on the forefront. Although it is kind of important to the story in that like the fact Sam could affect the project is why Al is so affected in this particular moment. I don't know, it's, the fact that they bring that up, I don't know if I'm particularly interested in reading a story where Sam tries to stop himself from leaping, but (laughs) the fact it's brought up and then kind of like, eh, it's, I don't know. Well, like you say,
0: Allison, I think it's fun to speculate on the nature of the time travel and the limitations and Mm -hmm. how Sam being in the same time period as the project might have some different consequences that we haven't seen before, but... I just feel like the way she explored it was confusing at best and – it didn't make sense in universe some of the time. And wait, um, just before we continue with this. Okay. Um Page 65. In precise, dry, lawyerly fashion, it informed him that his fifth wife's petition for the dissolution of the marriage would be heard and therefore and in consequence, blah, 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 blah. Page 68. Well, maybe he'd go back one more time, just once to see what was going on. He'd promised the divorce mediator that he'd give it a fair shot. Now it looked like Rita wasn't going to wait and see if oh, chanting would improve, their, would improve their, yeah, their, their marriage. Out. So oh, yeah, you got it, man. I know I wrote it down. I knew I saw it somewhere. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have pulled Rita out of a hat.
3: I'm surprised twice. I didn't notice that. I didn't notice that when I was researching this six years ago or this week.
0: And you know, in Ashley's defense, good spot. I don't know that you know you would have again had the internet oh, and sure. the chronology of Al's wives and all all that stuff. I mean, it was so loosey goosey on the show that
3: it's, it's an obscure thing. Yeah, but anyway, I've got no issue with that.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I don't either. But I can someone tell me why Al was just so ridiculously freaked out about seeing himself?
2: I, I think the way he reacted was a little weird and a little over dramatic. But I also I was kind of thrown off by the fact this is we're on the second book of the series there are two of books and they're both written by ashley mcconnell both stories feature tina and al just screwing off from the project yes (laughs) because they decide they don't want to knowing that sam could be in danger al knows more than than tina that like sam could get in some trouble if he's not there to help with the project i i would think that would put al's future more in danger than if he was there trying to control the situation, I could see him being a little antsy because um, because he's there and Sam could do something to more directly affect him. And that, that would, I think, get in your head if you're like, well, your life's being directly affected by a time travel project right in front of you. But mm. uh, the fact he just like goes off and he's like, I'm going to hang out in, at a hotel somewhere for a little while and all this <laughs> like I don't. I don't know.
0: I, I didn't like that aspect of it either because to me that was the most out of character that Al is in this book. And he's pretty out of character for, for, for a bit of it. Um, granted, he's in Uncharted Waters. And as viewers or, or as readers, we're in Uncharted Waters until you take Leap for Lisa into account. And, of course, it says in the front of the book, this takes place before Leap for Lisa.
3: Which it doesn't.
0: Which it doesn't, because Sam <laughs> thinks about a time when he could maybe remember that Al had disappeared.
3: Yes. Oh, yeah, then that would
2: be exactly then, after that. <laughs> they reference it completely. It must have been, they're like, I don't know, we need to place this somewhere uh, before Leap for Lisa, I guess. But it's weird,
3: because doesn't that first page read something like, if this obviously takes place before Leap for Lisa or something? Yes, yeah, yeah, like, like, duh. It's like, like <laughs> what? Why, why obviously, when actually the only obvious thing is it takes place after it?
0: The timing yeah. of the sleep oh. is, of course, asshole, of course. prior to the one recorded in the television episode of Leap Release. <laughs> I love of course.
3: I mean, I've been following Doctor Who novels for years, and whenever they do Doctor Who novels that are set between stories, they'll tell you which stories they're set between, even if it doesn't matter, just because we're fans and we like to know these things. So... You kind of just would take it as one of those, like, oh yeah, we're, we're just telling you, a bit. but it's the of course that makes it seem like, what's Ashley of thinking? Of course, why, stupid! Why is this so obvious? <laughs> what's so, I, I don't know. Aside from the fact that Elite Felicia has referenced once in the past tense. We do we do have a time to place it in at the
2: project, too. It, technically, it's a Christmas leap for Al.
3: Yes. It's Christmas.
2: Isn't that nice? Is it? Yeah, there's something about like Christmas decorations or something, I think. Something that places it around that time. He's dressed very Christmassy, isn't he, as well? He's got mistletoe in his hat. <laughs> I love I love in the books and the comics he's like way more costumey than he ever was yes. on the show. Like he's always gotta have these gimmicky kind of stuff.
3: <laughs> a dark green suit with a lighter green shirt. Okay, that's alright. A festive red tie and a fedora with a sprig of mistletoe pinned to the band.
2: Very Christmassy.
3: And then he, he later shows up with a, a faux leather red suit and matching fedora.
2: Oh, snazzy. Yeah. Maybe that's why, you know, family, that ties into the family thing. Family would be on his mind, you know? On got family. Okay, with the best and the fewest. And if you um, connect it to one of the later novels, uh, Christmas is around when his dad died, so. Huh?
0: it all comes together. Oh, and in this we hear that not only is his fifth wife Rita, but his dad's name is Guido? <laughs> I was naming
2: an Italian Guido.
0: <laughs> Guido. <laughs> in Ashley's defense, Laura has a Guido in her family.
2: Yeah, it's not that it's some I guess some Italians are named Guido. <laughs> yeah, I think this is the first time his dad is named.
3: Yeah, no, I'm pretty sure this is So it's Guido and Stoppa
2: <laughs> together again was it was stopa must have been his mother's side because that's russian i guess yeah he had a russian mom he had an italian dad
0: is that canon that his mom was russian or do we just is that extrapolated from stopa
2: yeah he he says it pretty early on that like the russian on his mother's side he says it like in kamikaze kid or something well, one thing that um, Al, being out of character and, you know, uh, screwing
0: off to that hotel, um, gave us was a little bit of future tech that Ashley introduces. This was, of course, before smartphones. So Al is talking to the project on a view phone that the hotel brings to him. It's V U P H O N.
3: Yes, I love that. So yes. futuristic. So high tech. Imagine being able to talk to each other and see each other at the same time. I wonder the view phones <laughs> were
0: decorated with like blue LED stars, like of gas course, pedals and rear view mirrors and shoes. There's got to be
2: LEDs it's... all over the place. <laughs> Blinky lights, little light up cubes.
0: Yeah, another thing after Al goes back to the project, another piece of like future tech that Ashley introduces is a hologram table in Sam's office. So it's like he could play chess like in Star Wars on the Falcon.
2: Yeah, I did kind of like the touch of Al going into Sam's old offices. It says he has two offices. Um, And there's like details like there's an old Petri dish left behind. And they talk about uh, Sam and Al's cells being used for Ziggy again, all this kind of tying in. I like the idea that Petri dish is still there. Like they just left everything as it was when Sam leaped. I'm wondering
0: if Sam was populating his own cells for the neurocells for Ziggy's construction.
2: No, oh, he's always doing some sort of experiment. <laughs> he's always done <laughs> with his black funding. Playing a god. <laughs> this little Petri dish. Yeah, they really
0: um, hammered home the neurocells in, in this novel and yeah. how they connect Sam and Alan Ziggy. I think it's much more spelled out. In this than it was in, uh, the novel, in Carney Knowledge. Another fetish that Ashley has, I guess, since Al went to Sam's, um, upstairs office in the last novel, she didn't want to repeat herself. So now he has a secret downstairs office, like you said, with, with all the, all the secret petri dishes and crap mm. and the
2: hollow table. <laughs> His petri dish office. <laughs> i I mean i like those scenes of like al is kind of musing about stuff and he has these conversations with ziggy i like him just kind of bouncing off of ziggy um at one point like sam's mad at ziggy and al says don't hurt his feelings (laughs) 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 don't hurt ziggy's feelings (laughs) it's yeah (laughs) it's a, a kind of interesting stuff thinking about like what the project is like and what's left behind of sam
0: well, one thing that she did double down on in this novel is that in the first book, if you recall, when Al goes back to the project, there are small changes every time he goes back. And I think that the main narrative tension in this book was the fact that everything could change right out from under them without them even noticing it. So mm. it's, it's like she took that concept and maybe, you know, realized this is a much more interesting take. I can really get some good narrative mileage out of this. And maybe that's why she decided, okay, let's put Al in there and let's make it that Al is hearing Sam talk about a past that Al doesn't even recall. Like Sam seems to be living in a different timeline than Al's memory, which that's what I found the most intriguing part of this. But I don't think that she brought those threads together satisfyingly in the narrative to sort of bring it home. I feel like they were just left out there as, as ideas and they were there to introduce tension when she felt like she needed some tension, but in the end they ultimately didn't matter. I, I wish that there had been a little bit more concrete, not only exposition on that, but resolution on that.
2: Yeah. There's, um, there's another book in the line called, uh, random measures. I think that's the one I'm thinking of where, um, Al's timeline is affected directly and some stuff changes around the project. And that's a little more important in that one. And I think fulfilled a little better than this one, because you're right. It's touched on some and that's you get little bits where you're like, oh, that's really interesting. Sam says, like, you know, that thing you used to always say, Al. And Al's like, well, I never said that. Well, it was like your catchphrase, you know like, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that would affect you. Like, you'd be like, why is all this stuff changing? And you're just completely out of control of your life. And I get why that would affect Al, but uh, again, it doesn't really connect to too much in the end. Like, it doesn't really go very many places. Yeah,
0: I I think it was just bringing up timey-wimey for the sense of timey-wimey. And, I you know, not everything can be blink. I understand that. But at least give it some kind of narrative coherence. That's, that's all I ask. And mm. It's a good experiment, and there are good errant thoughts, but they never go beyond that, as far as I'm concerned. And everybody knows that Al's catchphrase is, ain't it a kick in the butt.
2: I ain't just a kick in the butt.
0: Not use all your available resources.
2: <laughs> Come on. <laughs> He's got a few of them. He's got bingo, bango, bongo. <laughs> yeah.
3: Not a zip, zero, zilch. <laughs> and apparently now, uh, Gushy, bounce me. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys notice that? I love that one. Bounce me.
2: Gushy bounce me?
3: He does. Yeah. It, it's it's in a, a point where he would normally say, send to me in on Sam. He says bounce me. That's very good.
2: Gushy bounce me.
3: But
0: that's also when, when when all the, you know, when the tension was coming together, when they were going to rob the mall.
2: Yeah. yeah. I love the stuff with the mall. I love the stuff where Sam and Al got to team up and stop a mall robbery. That's very good. (laughs) And then, like, Hologram Al is, like, manipulating the other Al in some way. Let's talk about that.
0: I really am so curious about how they sort of got away with this but didn't exactly get away with this in the book. Um, Al can't see Holographic Al. Uh, 1990 Al can't see 1999 Al. I guess we'll call it like that, right? So – How is it that Al can go and basically uh, – the book makes it like he goes to spur himself to go to the mall to help Sam out. And he does so by yelling in his ear and covering his eyes and making him not see some cigars that are already on the table.
2: Yeah, he's, he's like, you gotta go get the cigars, ah, hypnotize himself. Oh, that's great. It, I mean, nothing really makes any sense when you think about it, but I mean, I guess there have been instances on the show a few times where Al seemingly was able to like affect or people yeah. on leaps or talk to them in some way. So, I guess.
3: And whose brainwaves would Al be tuned to? But Al's it it makes perfect sense. <laughs> yeah, kind if you of. do it that
2: way. Like it's it's Al's uh, cells and Ziggy too. So I guess there's some sort of timey wimey thing happening there. Yeah, I,
0: I I feel like again that was an interesting because I never would have thought to try that, and I can't see any reason that you couldn't make it work in universe because of the connection Al shares with Ziggy. So what 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 would have been the harm of again putting a little bit more of a bow on that of them saying hey let's give this a shot if we do like explain it a little bit more back at the project before he tries it instead they're just like are you sure it's gonna I don't know if it's gonna work center me on me dun 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 (laughs) bounce me
2: (laughs) bounce me on me Tina join in. (laughs) It's so good. I love it. He's, he's like at the mall and he's still trying to direct like his past self over to Sam. And he's like, there's these like twins there and there's some something going on with these two twins that can see Al. And Sam's trying to stop the robbery at the same time. So kind of these two plots intertwining. There was a little bit with, with past Al. I mean, him like musing what he's going to do. He's thinking about retirement, stuff like that. So I, I like that it came together there. I just, uh, I wish there was more of that in this book.
0: Yeah. And I liked the place that she put Al in, in like a turning point in his life and, um, him not being sure about what his future was going to hold. Like a, a little bit of depression, a little bit of trepidation. It, it, it has a nice counterpoint to the Al that we know and just how profoundly being on the project has affected not only his life, but his personality and his outlook. And Mm. I kind of liked the juxtaposition of the two of those, seeing him in a darker place. Not that I like grimdark per se, but it's an honest place to put the character at that time in his life.
2: Yeah, it was nice to see more of the past, like what things uh, were going on with Al before the project.
3: Yeah, it just felt so unnecessary. Felt unnecessary? Yeah, interesting and good, but... (laughs) unnecessary to the main plot. I just, I wish it had been a bit more carefully tied in. Would you wish that there was less of the leap going on or there was uh, less of the
2: project stuff going on? Which focus would you rather <laughs> they were on?
3: Tough call. Because I think that they were both good in their own ways. It's just that, yeah, they they were kind of vying for attention and they could have been two separate novels with some extra meat behind each of them. I don't know. It it just, it just felt like each of them were there to increase the page count. Hmm. Didn't serve either well. The
2: thing with this leap that, that really bothered me too, I think is that so much of it doesn't really affect Sam, like who he leaped into. There's the whole thing about with, with Al, but Al's not, he's a peripheral character in this story. Like he could very easily just not have been in Ross Malachi's life and it wouldn't have made that much difference. But like, Sam has leaped into this assistant for this Dr. Wales guy, and he lives above them. But he's not like – it's not like any of this stuff really affects his character. So no. it, it just feels like Sam's distanced from what's going on.
0: Yeah, they even make it a point to say that his character is just hunky-dory. You know, he gets married and he writes – I don't know what what it was, like newsletters or something like that. It was, it was very – like a very humdrum existence. Like he, there was no stakes for the Leapy at all.
2: It feels impersonal and it doesn't feel like anything to do with their story uh, affects Sam personally either. So even if it's like, oh, well, Sam's not one of the people who's dying of cancer or whatever's going on in that plot. But he's like, uh, what if it was like, oh, he he relates to it because this reminds him of this thing about his own life. It just seems very impersonal. And the stuff that is more personal with Al is just very not that much in the story because Al's not part of this character's life
0: well i mean sam did have a lot of memories of katie and i think that was because he was dealing with lisa
2: you're right i think the things the stuff with steno would remind him of um, katie's abusive husband but i mean but that was all that was all i'm trying to think now
0: you got me on a tangent trying to think of leaps in which the leapy was just there like sam leaped in so that he could affect somebody else's life and it wasn't about the person he had leaped into
2: There had been ones like that, like uh, Animal Frat was kind of like that. There was something at the end about the guy he leaped into, but most of it was about um, the other woman, uh, that he had to stop the bomb and all that. Um, There's stuff like that, but he kind of... When it sleeps like that, usually... It's like he's leaped into an unusual character. There's some situation Sam's placed in where it's like, how do you get this character involved in this situation and and all of that? And Ross Malachi is just not – or Malachi or however you pronounce it. He's just not a very interesting character. He's just an average dude. You know what I'm thinking? Song for the
0: Soul could
2: be another example of that.
0: He's part of the girl group. He's part of the trio. But, you know, you don't really get into the the woman that he leaped into. You get more into the family drama of the preacher and, and his daughter.
2: This story is kind of similar in some ways with that, isn't it? You got to bring the the father and the daughter together again. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, The only difference between the two of these is Song for the Soul can make you cry. (laughs) <laughs>
2: yeah, no, there, no emotional connection with this not no em- emotional not- connection at all it's just a jerky yeah. dad who doesn't yeah. want to listen um and he's too focused on his own stuff and not paying attention to the fact his wife is dying of cancer his, his daughter is getting involved with this shitty guy like there's just a lot of crappy stuff going on and I didn't like the Stephen Wales guy. I get that was the point, but there's a <laughs> yeah. lot of stuff focused on him, and he's not even interesting jerk. He's just a boring jerk.
3: <laughs> That's the thing. If if you're gonna have an antagonist as like the the main focus, it's got to be something. There's got to be something interesting and engaging about them. But yeah, you just kind of want him to get out of the way and let's look at the other characters for a bit. Yeah, I,
0: I, you guys aren't wrong. I mean, a lot of this was, was sort of by the numbers, very basic. And I don't think it's fair to compare anything to Song for the Soul. I mean, it's one of the most wrenching, emotional, spectacular Quantum Leap episodes of all time. To Closer comfort fine. It's absolutely fine.
2: <laughs> There's some similarities, but it's not like the stories are exactly the same or anything like that. There's just some similarities there, I guess.
3: Can I highlight something? Just because I, I feel we, we're all being quite down on Ashley and the, the story here. And we all agreed at the start, she's she's a good writer. It's just maybe there's issues with this story. I And I was looking at um, an interview she gave in Quantum Quarterly in 94, where she said she wanted to do a novel about a quiz show, but the comics were already doing that. So she said, I had to come up with a replacement idea in about five minutes flat, literally. <laughs> so to be fair, she was under pressure. I mean, I I don't know how quickly the novel world turns around. I don't know... Ginger really have said, right, you got five minutes, come up with a new plot, or we'll get another writer in. There's a guy out there called Chris that's trying to... <laughs> the
2: pitch probably was the stuff with Al, and then she had to come up with some exactly. filler stuff in between. I'm sure that was exactly what the pitch was. That's what I figured. Um, I, like I said, I don't think like she wrote this badly. I don't even think like it's a bad idea or anything either. This felt like it could have been like a leap on the show that maybe wasn't a favourite episode of mine, but it's also one of those things where you know there's other interesting things in the story and you're waiting to get through the family drama yes. stuff so you can see what's going on with al so you can see what's going on with the project because that stuff is more more engaging mm, than what's going yeah. on with sam and sam doesn't really have a lot to do through the whole thing because in the end he's i mean he's trying to get uh dr wales to to kind of wake up and pay attention to his family but as far as like him having to take action with anything i mean yeah, it, there's the mall robbery at the very end, the rest of it's just kind of sitting around.
0: Yeah. And that's, again, I think this was a failing of the novel of corny knowledge as well. It seems to me that Ashley still doesn't have the, I want to say that the, the, the dynamic between Sam and Al is is still off in this novel. I understand that Al's in a different place and Al's freaked out and all that, but Just like in the first novel, I think most of the interaction between Sam and Al in this novel is just constant tense bickering. That's all they share. Again, there's there's none of that camaraderie. There's none of that 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 Sam and Al connection that we like as fans. It's just Sam is always pissed at Al. Al is being freaked out. Where's Al? Where's he? You know, what am I supposed to do? I don't believe Ziggy. What's going on? It's just like.
2: Huh? <laughs> he likes Pastel. He's nice with him.
0: <laughs> That's because Pastel saved him from getting his ass beat in the parking lot. <laughs> that,
2: that was pretty good, too. I um, I wrote down this part. I forget where this happened in the novel, but I I remember I wrote it down because it was so funny to me. Sam hears someone say, hey, baby, and he thinks it's Al at first. This, <laughs> Hey baby, and he's Al? Oh, it's not Al <laughs> <laughs> Is it something Al says to him?
3: <laughs> How many times has Al stepped out of that doorway and said, Hey baby. <laughs> hey baby <laughs>
2: <laughs> Looking pretty good, Sam. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, there there was What Price Gloria. That's true. <laughs> hey, he said plenty of stuff in What Price Gloria.
2: I don't think uh, I I particularly noted uh, ashley mcconnell writing uh sam and L's dynamic that badly you're right it's kind of tense in this like so it's it's not um happy-go-lucky through a lot of it there's some stuff but it's not exactly a light-hearted story either i, I just want to see a scene with them being friends yeah that's sure. all they were f- it was at the end at the very end <laughs> This is something, too, I have to bring up. Okay, Sam gives (laughs) past Al a gift. It is the origin of Al's fashion. (laughs) There's the origin. He gives him a tacky tie, (laughs) and that's why he wears tacky stuff now. There has to be an origin for everything.
0: (laughs) Everything. (laughs) Everything. You want a prequel? We're going to give you an origin story. That's it.
3: (laughs) Was anyone
2: wondering, and that is why Al wears tacky clothes.
3: (laughs) I have... Always wondered that. I mean, it couldn't just be that that's future fashion. No, no, no. <laughs> Some rando dude in a hospital in Albuquerque gave him a tie. Now I have to get a wardrobe around this tie.
2: <laughs> yeah, he spent so much money on this,
0: this wardrobe. Somebody call Jean Pierre Dorliac. future Jean Pierre Dorliac.
3: <laughs> yeah. And then one one day Al loses the tie, and he's like, "Shit, my old wardrobe. It's just pointless." <laughs> hey baby, I need a new wardrobe. <laughs>
2: Hey Sam baby I'm wearing the tie you gave me
0: Had the uh, book series gone on There would have been a 17th novel About Al losing the tie and Sam leaping to find it To restore Al's fashion sense His
2: his lucky tie everyone knew about his lucky tie
0: The imaging chamber door With a capital D opens And Al steps out wearing nothing but a white shirt And khakis
2: (laughs) (laughs) Al? Al what
0: happened? What are you talking about Sam? I've always worn white shirts and khakis
2: Oh boy.
3: So we were talking about a book.
2: <laughs> this whole ending of this book was so good. They're stopping the robbery at the mall, and then Al gets shot in the arm. Ah, oh, the drama. The absolute drama of the whole thing. And then they're at the hospital together, and they have to convince Dr. Wales to wake up. <laughs> It's just, it's so good You know
0: what, um, I, I think that there was some Genuinely good tension in the robbery scene In the climax of the book, I, I liked that
2: Had to get some action into the story Yeah, huh?
3: shit went down
0: I thought there was some action, but Enough with the freaking kids Ashley likes to write like precocious kids That like aren't In any way realistic
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. the, the twins? The twins the kind of
0: annoyed me, I mean they were okay But the fact that they're six and running around a mall alone. And the fact that if you see in the first part of the book, Sam walks out of the conference room in just his jeans and um a four year old looks into the into the door and sees him. And she describes the four year old in a way that, again, no four year old is this cognizant of anything going on around them. She always writes these kids that are like it's like it's like way too smart T V kids. I mean this was like mm-hmm. that kid the carnival I- in the first book. It's it's like what, 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 I don't remember what's the fixation were the twins a
2: plot point did he get them to do something that affected no. something else no they, would, they no? were just
0: there and they were able to see him
2: uh, but he was like trying to get them out of the way though right because he didn't want them involved with the robbery something Al was doing yes mm-hmm. yes yeah, something like that yeah I don't know maybe she just likes the way that it works with Al you know like kids and animals and all this stuff like maybe she just likes playing with that yeah could be could be and it could be a
0: way again if, if you're just a fan of the books and you haven't seen the show a way to reiterate oh yeah by the way kids can see Al So, again, twice it's gone nowhere. Twice she's done absolutely nothing with it. It's just that, okay, that's a thing. And then uh, there was also a cat that could see him in this one, too. A cat named Machu. (laughs) That's going to be our next t-shirt. Scott
2: Madison, get on that. (laughs) (laughs) I wrote this down. I don't remember if this was something I was wondering or if Sam was wondering. I don't know. I think he was wondering it. He wonders why animals see him. If it's his mind, because they're still going with the mind leap thing. Mm-hmm. So that's another question. Chris, I would like you to answer. If if Sam's mind leaping, how come people see Sam? Because animals don't see
0: people. They see your soul, Allison.
2: <laughs> okay? <laughs> they see your wow. soul.
0: <laughs> animals are pure, pure beings. And they, 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 the bodies don't count to them. They see your soul, your <laughs> essence.
2: <laughs> Hello. I'm, I'm so confused. confused
0: obviously you don't love your cat enough obviously so i'm sorry ash
2: she sees my soul and she's like oh boy (laughs) (laughs) not again (laughs) i mean yeah
0: i don't know that's a good question that's a good question um listen i'm not adverse to the idea of it being body leaps
2: i'm just saying it could be fluid Itself. Well, this book brings it up because the in the book universe, it's his mind. So now it's even more confusing. Yeah, so far, it's
0: his mind. Uh, the book universe expands.
3: I think it, it's only the Ashley McConnell books that do that, isn't it? Is it just hers? I think when we move on to the other authors, mostly they do
2: them right no, uh, some of them are still mind leaps because it's important to the plot in that but yeah uh, i think it depends on the book but yeah but in the Ash- ashley mcconnell universe she said that it's his mind and she even brings it up here like hey why does that work that way it's like i don't know you tell us actually you're the one who so- brought it up <laughs> <laughs> so funny they they have a lot of questions they ask what happens to sam's body uh if uh sam dies in the waiting room yes what, or if Sam dies on in the leap, I mean, what happens to his body in the waiting room? Yeah. It's kind of interesting. And I like the fact
0: that they said that uh, Malachi would just go insane.
3: <laughs> just, we'd yeah. have to lock him
0: away because he's obviously going to go insane.
2: <laughs> it's like, what? And then he would be a much more interesting character at the
0: end.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, yeah, but they, they didn't seem to think that he would snap back or whatever. They Then he would be stuck there in the future with them. Yeah. That would be an interesting thing. I wish – I so wish that um, Universal would have let somebody kill Sam at some point in the books and then undo it. <laughs> because you could have played with so much stuff with that. it' would have
2: been interesting. Yeah. So, anyway. That someone being you? Well, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: I mean, yeah, I had a whole death scene. It was. It was – I had a whole – like a whole – Oh my God! I, I just it, it just came fest. up in, in my mind of what would happen and all the things being undone that Sam once did, and we'll get there
3: eventually. Chris, <laughs> I hope, I sincerely hope you're thinking far enough ahead that this pilot that's coming up is good enough to spin off a series, and the the series is good enough to spin off another series of novels. And you're pitching for that already. I'm pitching. Yeah. Do another series of novels. Do some comics. Come on, NBC. You know what we want. IDW will do the comics. That's their kind of thing these days. I don't know who would do the novels, but uh, whoever does the novels, they need Chris on board. Get
2: the gang back together. Get all the old novel people back and be like, "You're, you're back on board, boys,
3: girls. Yeah. Start pitching. Start pitching. Hey, baby, start pitching.
1: Ginger's like, I'm
2: back
3: in business, baby. What ideas does everyone have about Al this time? <laughs> uh Al's not in this one. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter.
2: Well, it depends on what the are they bringing back novels of the about the old show or the new Ooh, show? Yeah, or could, the comics. Be they, I bet you if it was IDW, that would be the the OG show. Yes, IDW could do both. Yeah, simultaneously have the have them do crossovers. The possibilities are endless.
0: If they were going to do novels, the novels would be on the new show exclusively. Because if you think about it, a lot of the um, newest Star Trek stuff is all about Discovery and Picard. And they're actually closing up the extended Star Trek universe, the novel-verse, mm-hmm. in light of the fact that now they have stuff set in that actual time. So they wrap all yeah. of that up because canon now contradicts all of it. Oh, my so. yes. gosh.
2: Does that make John Peel's novel about them fighting a dragon and next-gen not canon
3: anymore? That's the only one that's canon. Everything <laughs> oh, good, else good,
2: thank God. Oh.
3: has been ejected. That was too good to not be canon. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> Cannot erase that one. Cannot erase Here, it. Here there be dragons, the sole remaining champion of the EU for Star Trek. <laughs> Sorry, we hey, were talking about a this book. book. <laughs> it's we're going off on so many tangents. <laughs> too close,
0: too
3: comfortable. We're
0: like Al, we're, we keep running away from the plot.
3: I feel like most of this is my fault. I'm just bored of talking about this book. I'm sorry, guys.
2: (laughs) All right, here's here's. I have a few notes. These are minuscule things that don't need to have extended conversations. Um, (laughs) Try us. (laughs) They do state that Sam remembers some things one leap and not the next. I know that's something that we had like Mm -hmm. talked about before. Like this more concretely states that it's just sort of whatever. Yep. It's a hodgepodge, a haphazard hodgepodge.
0: That's the way I always looked at it in the series too. So.
2: Yeah, it definitely was just, eh, whatever. <laughs> uh, there's also uh, the multiple spellings of Gushi. Mm-hmm. Gushy's spelled different in this one. They have a U instead of two O's. Hmm. And that was like that in the scripts of the show, too. They would switch around between the two of them. Not consistent.
3: Yes. I distinctly remember, and you, if you bother to read the book, Chris, um, <laughs> the, there is a page... Where I, in a footnote, I explain what I consider to be the canon spelling of Gushi, and literally counting out the number of times each spelling is used. (laughs) The the one with two O's is the most common one. I do some complicated
2: maths. I believe that was Dennis Wolfberg's preferred spelling of it, too. I believe someone (laughs) asked him at some point, or he stated it at some point.
3: That's not as important, but okay. That's, that's a tertiary resource, Alison. But that's all right. That's fine. It's just the the
2: amount. Then it wins out. Whatever yes. the spelling was, but it, it's both the same way. So two
3: O's. Canon spelling.
0: Yeah, it's kind of Beckett with one C and two. Now we
3: have the the gushy conspiracy, I guess. See, and you th- you thought these notes weren't going to bring discussion up. Huh? <laughs>
2: Uh, Just my last note, um, Al's speaking a bunch of Italian in this. I feel this is something the books emphasized very much, the fact that he spoke Italian, and the show seemed to kind of forget after that, the double identity episode, basically. Yeah, Al's Italian. (laughs) I I like that detail. I like like that detail that he speaks Italian. I like they remember that stuff. I like that the books bring up things that the show didn't bring up for whatever reason, or it was only once or twice. It's like, yeah, let's elaborate on that. Mm Mm-hmm. His dad was from Abruzzi, you know, he spoke Italian, Guido, you know? <laughs> Guido from Abruzzi, you know, Guido from Abruzzi. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's just kind of nice, and I think, like, the novels remembered that more often. He works in the oil fields, Guido from
0: Abruzzi. He's salted the earth. He puts his kids in orphanages. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Did that mean anything to you, as the resident Italian, Chris? The fact that he's you know, speaking more Italian. There's more of that gusto in there.
0: Honestly, he he spoke Italian for like uh, two sentences at the very end when he was <laughs> fainting. So no, it didn't. I mean, yeah. it didn't strike me as weird. But I think he said "basta," which means "enough," uh, basically because yeah, he's, he's yelling at he's, uh, he's yelling at whales. And um, I think the other one was, "If you're gonna dance, dance," and I'll it himself for Sam that
2: way. He's throwing, They're throwing a little flavor, a little bit of that chili, a little bit. Of that. <laughs> well, at least he wasn't against spicy huh? meatball. I like
0: know? it. I like it. He didn't. He didn't threaten to kill somebody. So,
2: <laughs> <laughs> banga banga banga.
0: <laughs> Joey Joey Joey. Anyway, <laughs> I was just looking in my book. Gushy is spelled with two O's. The conspiracy deepens.
3: I know, because I was just looking in mine and seeing the the listing of the different spellings.
0: Oh, and speaking of, um, you didn't read my book, I didn't read your book. I'll read your book when you listen to an episode of the podcast. How's that, Matt?
3: (laughs) Oh, catty. (laughs) This podcast sucks. I only listen to decent stuff. Uh, And now for my next trick, I'm going to list all the different spellings of Gushy. Is there more than two? No, the, there is there is only the two, but I, I could list out uh, the different places that it's spelt differently, but I won't. Just refer to page 636 of Beyond the Mirror Image. Yeah, everyone, get out your book. And if you haven't bought it, that one analysis is worth every penny of the cover price. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and
0: since everything I write regarding Quantum Leap is now canon, there's also a spelling Y-O-S-H-I. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs>
2: Old yoshi <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's a deep cut go back and listen to our leap day special anyway um guys i don't know that i got any more to say about too close too comfortable you want some final thoughts
3: yeah why not yeah let's do it
0: allison
2: this is uh, it, there's a little bit sprinkled in this um i didn't hate the book ashley mcconnell's a good writer but uh just not really into the the leap situation overall okay how about you matt
3: Yeah, I mean, it's it's enjoyable enough. It's it's well written. It's got some fun bits. Um, If it wasn't a quantum leap novel, uh, maybe I'd go in with lower expectations and I'd just find this passable. But it's just it's a shame. It is two stories that aren't given enough time to breathe. Two stories too uncomfortable. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) yes,
0: loving it. Um. I'm going to agree uh with you, Matt, Um the two-story aspect. The one story that really should have intrigued me, I wish they would have done uh, a bit more with, it, been a little bit more geeky about and, you know, really spelled some more stuff out. So that we can mm-hmm. say, oh, that's how that works. Oh, that's an amazing addition to the lore. As it is, they hang some interesting plot threads, dangle them and entice you, and then – don't really go anywhere with them, Um, which is unfortunate because I think it has loads of potential. And um, I really like The Main Leap, as I've said before. I think this fits right into the wheelhouse of Quantum Leap. And yeah, was it kind of depressing to get through some of it? Of course, but it was about a depressing subject. So, I mean, Quantum Leap can be heavy sometimes, and this book captures that aspect of it. So... Anyway, I think that puts the discussion of Too Close for Comfort in the books. See what I did there? So this is where we usually go to break, but I'm just going to plow straight through because we have some exciting news, both on the Patreon front and about the reboot. So first things first, we have some new patrons. Yay! Yay! We have a new patron from down under. Her name is Kim Au, A-U, from Australia. I don't know if I... Do I sound like Hayden? Did I do that all
3: right? (laughs) Well, it's a new pronunciation of Australia, but all right. Kim, if you'd like to call in and do an impression of an Italian-American, please feel free. Yeah, I was throwing out the bada bings, bada booms. I can't really. (laughs) I can't talk. I'm not good at
0: accents at all, but uh, Kim joins us at the $5 Leaper level. That means that she's automatically a member of uh, the QLP book club and she will be getting her QLP bookmark as soon as freaking Australia opens up the mails to America. We have like seven or eight patrons uh, over there that can't get their stuff, um, but you will get it one day. I promise. As a $5 Leaper, Kim also has access to all of our exclusive bonus content, and we have another $5 Leaper to announce, and he's got a familiar name. Uh, you guys might have heard it before, Barry Donovan.
3: Hey. Hey, Barry. Barry Donovan. Hi, Barry.
0: We mentioned Barry on, like, the last couple of shows. He originally signed up as an observer, but he has since upped his game. And now he's supporting us at the $5 Leaper level. As a result, he gets his very own QLP book club bookmark, which I think Matt has already mailed, as well yeah. as access to all of our exclusive bonus content. And there's going to be a little bit more about that in a second, but you might also remember that Barry is the one who we mentioned uh, in our last reboot special. Uh, he's the one who designed the new string theory font that appears on Matt's new website, quantumleapinfo.net, which tracks all <laughs> All <laughs> of the verified reboot news. So, Matt, is there anything new to report over there at quantumleapinfo.net? It sounds so exciting
3: when <laughs> when I hear it in your voice, Chris. Thank you. <laughs> um, so... Uh, things have been quite quiet over the last week or so. I think actually by the time this is out, there'll be uh, a couple of small new pieces on there. But yeah, mostly I think it's the um, bits of information about the plot line uh, that have come to light uh, through our friends at Fates Wide Wheel. And um, a couple of minor production crew, uh, their names have have been um, well, have come out through the lights of Production Weekly and so on that I've uh, managed to get hold of. So yeah, there's, there's, there's little bits, but production starting in, uh, or filming is starting in a couple of weeks, so I think um, that's, that's when things should start really heating up.
0: It's such a great thing for me to have that resource because you do all the work for me. All I have to do is look on your website once every couple of days to see if there's any breaking news. You know, just in case you and I haven't discussed it beforehand. So I have a direct line to the source, which I love. So uh, <laughs> you can you can almost get that, you out there in the listening audience, by going to quantumleapinfo.net. And um, speaking of the reboot and the bonus content... I'm also very happy to announce that we just interviewed Christopher Kirby. Chris is the actor who originally played Herbert Magic Williams in the episode, The Leap Home Part 2, Vietnam. And, um, you know, they're going to be bringing that character back for the reboot. Uh, Chris lives in Australia, and Hayden McQueenie, our very own co-executive producer Hayden McQueenie, met with him to discuss his time playing Magic on the show. And what he thinks about the character coming back in the new series. Guys, I think that this is just, it's a phenomenal get. And, right. um, yeah. So thank you, Hayden, for arranging that. Hayden's the one that chased him down. He said, wait, this guy's in Australia. I'm in Australia.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Hayden. Thanks to Chris. I'm sure he's probably not listening to this, but if he's listening, thank you, Chris. <laughs> thank you. Uh, and that's fantastic. And, um, I think it's, a uh, really cool. Uh, Hayden had mentioned to us, you know, Chris, wasn't aware they were doing a reboot till Hayden had reached out to Mm. him. So I think it's, it's kind of neat to think that, um, you know, in some way Hayden and us by proxy had a a part in getting him involved. So it's cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, aren't we the coolest? We're the greatest now. I'm just teasing about that. But Chris was gracious with his time. He spent a lot of time with Hayden, and um, we do have a full interview. It's a mix of both audio and video, and this is what we're going to do to release it. The full interview itself uh, will soon be available as an early access Patreon exclusive, available to all the $5 Leaper patrons and above. So if you're really interested and you want to get the scoop, you can go and check us out at patreon.com slash podcast. After that, it will premiere on our YouTube channel. Albie has been going nuts over on the YouTube channel. If you guys haven't seen this, he has been posting old interviews, old episodes of the podcast and any of the new stuff that we're putting out. So you can find all of that on youtube.com. Just search for the quantum leap podcast. And, um, once you've done that and you've subscribed to our channel, um, you can watch the interview there. And then after that, the interview will appear on the podcast proper. We'll put it on the regular feed in an upcoming episode of the podcast, but that might be a while because we're mixing between the episode recaps for earlier in the series. And the book shows, so that could be a number of weeks before we can get it out onto the main feed. So we encourage you if you want to check it out on Patreon and also to check it out eventually on the YouTube channel. You'll probably see it in one of those two places first, most definitely.
2: And uh, I just wanted to say thanks, Albie, for putting all this stuff on the YouTube channel, doing a lot of work there. Mm.
0: Yeah, he's got some pretty big plans for um, what he wants to do once the reboot is up and running. So um, it's really going to be worth subscribing. Uh, I don't have a direct URL to give you on that because I'm just too lazy to look it up. But if you go to YouTube, search Quantum Leap Podcast. We'll come up in the search feature. You'll see our logo prominently displayed. Just click on that, subscribe, and uh, you'll be good to go. Uh, if you can't wait... Uh, consider making your pledge of support on Patreon at patreon.com/slash Quantum Leap Podcast. And if you want to contact us and tell us what you think about the interview or the reboot or Too Close for Comfort, they're amazing ways that you can do so. You can get us by phone at 707-847-6682. You can email us at Quantum Leap Podcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast. You can hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at Quantum Leap Pod. And you can always go that extra mile like Kim Al and Barry Donovan and support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Podcast. Just remember that we may use your response in an upcoming episode of the Quantum Leap Podcast. And speaking of upcoming episodes, Matt, tell us what's next.
3: Well it's cool. As we are delving back into the podcast's own past, um I, I like the parallel here. It looks like Sam's gonna be um doing the same thing because we're gonna be discussing Starcrossed, the first regular length episode.
0: Now all I have to do is figure out who I am, where I am, and why all these young women are staring at me as if I were Tom Cruise.
2: So did that win the poll? Is that what...
0: Yep, Star Crossed won the poll. So people yeah.
2: just want an order. They don't want, they well, don't want jumping around to Thou Shalt Not. It's funny well, you say, we'll say that. We'll see what happens
0: when we get up to
3: <laughs> Thou Shalt Not. Does it get skipped?
0: <laughs> We've been threatening that Thou Shalt Not uh, is going to be on every poll, and um, they're almost calling our bluff over there, guys, because <laughs> Thou Shalt Not was a close second. <laughs> It's a star-crossed
3: star-crossed Eaten out by like like three or four votes <laughs> The hype is real <laughs> it, Once we've done thou shalt not because it can it come off the pole because I don't want to do it I, We'll do it once but I don't want to do it a second time It's
2: a yearly thing every year we do thou shalt not a different time <laughs> Just to see how we think about it the third fourth fifth time around It'll
0: be the new a little miracle just more and more depressing each time
2: Yeah six hours <laughs> of thou shalt not
0: And in case uh, listeners out there don't know what we're talking about with the poll, that's another Patreon feature. For as little as a dollar a month, you can um, become what we call a programmer member. And uh, you can vote in the poll to figure out which leap we cover next of the old leaps that we haven't covered. So it doesn't necessarily have to go in order. It just so happens that the people that are voting have been voting for uh, them in order. So for Genesis, now Starcrossed, but... That shall not Will be on every poll And uh, (laughs) We might be doing it third That's up to you If you want to come in And you know Support it You can push that Shall not Over the top So that's Patreon.com (laughs) Slash Quantum Leap Podcast Always be plugging But yeah I'm looking forward To Starcrossed I mean Yeah That's uh, Again first Like genuine Like leap Leap So Yeah And can't go far wrong With Terry Hatcher either I'm looking forward to that Until then I have been Christopher DeFilippis. I've been Alison Pregler.
3: And I've been Matt Dale.
0: And we'll see you next time.
1: Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Quantum Leap Podcast, hosted by Allison, Matt, and Chris, with voice talent and contributions from Hayden McQueenie and Zoe Dean. Visit us at quantumleappodcast.com. To support the show, please go to patreon.com slash quantumleappodcast. The executive producer of the Quantum Leap Podcast is Albert Burge. Christopher D. Philippus and Hayden McQueenie are the co executive producers. Morgan Felden, Charles Allen Gossard, and Ben Kirkham are the producers. The thoughts expressed on this podcast are those of the individual and do not necessarily represent those of the Quantum Leap podcast, its partners, or affiliates. The Quantum Leap universe and all it contains is the property of Belisarius Productions and Universal Television. The Quantum Leap podcast is not affiliated with Belisarius Productions or Universal Television, and no copyright infringement is intended. Please visit Baronspace.com for this and other amazing content. The Quantum Leap podcast is a Baronspace production. Too close for
3: comfort. <laughs> too close, too comfortable. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> 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 this is gonna be the new Quantum Leap theme. We gotta record it and then send it to them. You got all the connections, Matt. You know how to contact the casting directors. And...
3: <laughs> yeah, I've I've already done that. Um, I I got out my old cassette recorder and a microphone uh, earlier on, and I recorded myself going. <laughs>
1: Da, da,
3: da. And then I, I posted the tape to them So hopefully in a couple of weeks uh, It'll be on their desk we, we gotta submit that video that that guy did With the lyrics to oh, it, like, oh. Quantum Leap Quantum Leap Leaping throughout time It's classic It's no crime <laughs> Oh man <laughs> I'm just bored of talking about this book I'm sorry guys <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, here's here's I have I got, a few notes, and I got one
3: question okay. for Matt before your okay. notes.
0: Yeah. You did say, Matt, that you did uh, a lot of weird research into this book. Was that the interview that you were talking about, or is there other stuff that you have yet to reveal? Did I? Yes, at the beginning, you said I did a lot of weird yeah. research when it came to this book, but we'll get to that. Well, we're at that point. Elaborate.
3: I, did, I said it. Did... No, I I think I said that Ashley did some weird. Research? What what context was that in? I know this was only like an hour ago, but... You said that
2: there was some re- weird research put into this, you get into it. It seemed like you were talking about yourself, but if you're talking about Ashley, what are you talking about? What's her re- weird research?
3: Oh, no, no, no. I meant like Ashley making references to Leap for Lisa and... Uh, oh, allegedly before or after it happened that the view phone tina's legs i thought it was very important that they mentioned tina's long legs um <laughs> someone that clearly hasn't seen uh leap back um you know this the, actually just goes to town on the references in this that are all wrong
2: yeah now okay so i mean in leap back you see tina and maybe she's not that tall but maybe she is mostly legs that's Maybe the legs are the tall part <laughs>
3: Maybe, did we see her feet? Maybe she was walking around on her knees <laughs> Okay, <laughs> I'm going to put an end to this uh, Allison, you had some notes? <laughs> <laughs> Alright, these are very
2: Minuscule things <laughs>
0: Too close and too comfortable It's no crime
3: <laughs> <gasps> uh, Are we stopping?
0: Yeah, we're stopping Pounce me on me. Tina, join in.